and should we win the day, the 4th of July will no longer be known as an American holiday, but as the day when the world declared in one voice, we will not go quietly into the night, we will not vanish without a fight, we're going to live on, we're going to survive. Today, we celebrate our Independence Day. Trash Genre Cast. I got, I got shorts, every fucking color. I got designer t-shirts. Who cares about the goddamn dance chip? I do. I ordered your corsage. It's an orchid. It was like $12. If it means anything now, I am so sorry. So do you have any regrets? Garfield, maybe. Hello, everybody, and welcome again to the Good Trash Genre Cast, where a bunch of people gather around a table and we discuss the films that you'll never discuss in a film studies course, and yet we apply film studies type analysis to them anyway. This week's film is Independence Day, in which we talk about how Zambia was able to wrestle free from colonial control uh, from Great Britain, but we'll move into that just a little <laughs> bit later. Maybe it's about something else. And uh, we're going to avoid spoilers, but we can't get into any of that right now because we have to introduce the disembodied voices gathered around our table. Across the table, if you would, sir. Uh, my name is Dalton Stewart, and welcome to Earth. Thank you very much. Uh, to my left, ma'am, if you would. My name's Alexandra Bohannon, and payback's a bitch. Thank you, thank you very much. Uh, directly uh, to my left, sir, if you would introduce yourself as well. I could have been at a barbecue, I, but I ain't mad. I'm Arthur Gordon. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't mad. My name is Dustin Sells, and what is that smell? <laughs> <laughs> I think it could be Dalton, but we're moving it's right It's definitely along. possible. <laughs> as we talk about... Independence Day. Now, we want to warn you, dear listener, this is not a review show. I, I'm sorry. I'd appreciate it if you referred to it by its Christian name, which is the cinematic masterpiece, Roland Emmerich's Independence Day. Okay. <laughs> that may or may not happen ever. Uh, <laughs> and uh, we'll, be, uh, we'll be doing some analysis here in a little while, which means we will not be avoiding spoilers. But in the meantime, we'll have a quick synopsis from The Voice of the Cinema and then our quick thumbs up, thumbs down reviews. And after that, we'll get down to business and we'll do our analysis. And so you have now been warned uh, where the spoilers lie and where they are. And you can avoid them at your own uh, discomfort or comfort. So let's begin, though, first with that synopsis from The Voice of the Cinema. Mr. Arthur Gordon, if you would, sir. The aliens are coming, and their goal is to invade and destroy Earth, fighting superior technology, mankind's best weapon, is the will to survive. That of the internet, not sure. Is that the official 20th Century Fox analysis, or is that just a user submitted one? IMDb. I'm sure. Right. Yeah, it's IMDb. They label it sometimes, like when you click on it. Oh, I'm yeah, curious. yeah. I don't know. That's kind of terrible. That is kind of funny. That's not a good one. 
So let us now move on into our quick thumbs up, thumbs down reviews with just one thing, or perhaps two, that we liked or didn't like about the film. I go to you first, Miss Alexander Bohannon. What say you? This movie's too long. The themes are troubling to me. And I feel like I can't watch this as a member of a post-9-11 society. There is something, dude, that every time I see those towers, it makes me sad. Well, it's not even just the towers. I mean, that's pretty relevant. It's kind of like, oh, wow, that, uh, that you know, just can't believe. It. I mean, 96, 2001, I mean, not very long. But it just, this this punching in the face of, like, Americanism, I just, it's really it's heavy. Uh, heavy. It's oh, mostly yeah. just, like... It's caked on. You can't get it off of there. And and then the oh the ending, the whole world. I mean, I guess that's not really a. Is, I mean, it's twenty plus years old. So well, our Independence Day becomes everyone's Independence Day. God, that just because the ooh. world is America, and in science fiction, the human race is basically just America, and like all of our best and worst traits rolled into one. Uh, yeah. That I just. Will Smith makes this very redeemable for me in terms of, like, he is the He's light of this funny. movie. He's the reason why you keep going. But there's a lot of sm- scenes that don't have Will Smith in them. And there's just a lot of scenes in this movie. I think it's way too long by far. I could watch an hour and a half of Goldblum and Will Smith just hanging out. Yeah. That's fair point. There, there's not nearly. The two of them don't get together until the very end of this movie, and that's a damn shame. Yeah, I felt like this could have been a miniseries, but they opted for a movie that was probably just as long. Anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, I I wasn't a big fan of this movie, um, so. All righty, thank you very much, Miss Bohannon. Mr. Arthur Gordon, what say you? Well, this is one of my favorite guilty pleasure films. I, I think it's a blast. I love the ensemble. I think it still looks great. About 80% of the effects still work, I think. It's beautiful. A lot of practical effects yeah. in this movie. I was, I, so, I was really surprised how much... Uh, practical uh, effects use there was. Yeah, it, I, I think it just looks great, even though it's twenty years old. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, filmed in ninety five. So filmed yeah. in ninety five, released in ninety six. Yeah. So I, I, I think it looks great. Um, I, I like Dalton said. I love Goldblum and Smith. I want to watch that movie every day. Oh, so good. Just them doing stuff like a True Detective season three. Mm-hmm. Will Smith and Jeff Goldblum just hanging out. Just yes, give it please. to me. They're retired cops. Yeah. They're 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 Danny Glover and Gold Mel Bloom, Gibson. Goldblum is fucking fine in this movie. He's looking real good. I can't confirm. <laughs> Thanks, Alex. <laughs> he looks. I don't know how we forgot how hot Jeff Goldblum was. Every time I no- talk to somebody after they've watched like Jurassic Park or Independence Day, everyone's just like, "Man, Goldblum looked good." Yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah, he does. Uh, I also love Randy Quaid here. Who is just having a blast? Who is um, uh, slowly transformed into that character in real life? <laughs> art imitating or life imitating art? Exactly. Yeah, he, but he's just one of the highlights of the film for me throughout. He's just so ridiculous and over the top. It's just a fun. Uh, my only complaint is the length. It is really long. I think they could have easily trimmed a lot of the subplot, family sub. Like, I don't need to know about Randy Quaid's family. Just give me Randy Quaid. I agree with you, Arthur. Randy Quaid and all of his subplots kind of wonky. Yeah. Outside of that. I, I really enjoy this film. Just yeah, let's trim it down some. That's where you know Michael Bay usually goes wrong. Is well one of the ways. So yeah, but yeah, I I really do enjoy this film a lot. Thank you very much, Mr. Arthur Gordon, Mr. Dalton Stewart. What do you think? I watched the special edition, which is about ten minutes longer. Oh, You're not my father. You're just the guy that married my mother. Yeah, yeah. That's a sad line. Yeah, that's from the special edition. Uh, way too, way, way too long. Um, here's a weird thing. Uh, I feel like everything that works about this movie is literally everything but the action stuff. 
Uh, I don't think the dog fights look that good. The final dog fight looks pretty cool. Um, here's a th- it's a blockbuster with very little action. Even the explosions aren't that engaging. It's like, okay, yeah, we got it. You, you blew up the White House. That's cool. But everything else here works really well, which is strange to me. This movie has a lot of plot, and that's not necessarily a bad thing, um, especially you know, 20 years on where blockbusters have nothing resembling plot. I like to know why what's happening is happening and like to know what's at stake. And in this film, we get 20 minutes just explaining what's happening, which I think is really cool. Like, the code is embedded in the signal. Like, it takes them 15, 20 minutes before them to even realize it's aliens. Uh, and then it takes, like, another 5 to 10 minutes for Goldblum to figure out what's happening. Like, all of that stuff is really cool to me. Like, all of the, the political machinations, all of the, the man-on-the-street stuff of people being like, oh, what's going on? Oh, is it aliens? Oh, it is aliens. Should we be scared? Should we not be scared? I think all of that stuff works really well. The problem is I don't know what they could have lost because I like all of it, really, except for... You know, I don't need you to show me uh, a building in every major city getting blown up. I really don't care. I don't need to see that many cars slip over. I don't care. Um, but I was really surprised, like, how much solid plot construction there is, how much good characterization there is. But anyway, I know I've gone talked to on a little bit, but I was surprised how good this movie is. I expected to be pissed off and annoyed that we watched this, and I really like it. Thank you very much, Mr. Dalton Stewart. Uh, what I want to say is I like it. It's, it's fun. It, it, it's definitely a science fiction blockbuster that is uh, entertaining. I, I agree with my co-host that it is a bit too long. It could have stood uh, an excellent editor. And uh, really, uh, this is just somebody with the script, uh, just to say, listen, we don't need this line, we don't need that line. And to say, we, we just got to not even bother to film it, let alone not edit it. And uh, They could have got this shit down to 210 easily. And it might have been fun to have had maybe the 230 version as sort of an extended edition DVD thing instead of just mm-hmm. the like 10-minute extra. Maybe that's fine. I, I don't really know. But it was, it was a bit too long. But the reason why the movie works so well is because it's a science fiction fan's primer. They know who is watching this. And they know who their base audience is going to be. They know Will Smith's going to be a draw. They know Jeff Goldblum's going to bring a lot of that Jurassic Park money in. And then the film itself hits all the high points. It hits 2001. It hits Planet of the Apes. It hits Star Wars. It hits Star Trek by the use of uh, uh, Brent Spiner. It, it, it finally hits War of the Worlds in its conclusion. It does, it does all of those things throughout. And so it's, it's familiar, but it's a retread. Uh, of things that are familiar. And so it's an enjoyable experience for any science fiction fan. And uh, I think that's part of why it works so well. And so, yeah, it, it's a movie I like a lot. Is it a great movie? I don't think so. It's definitely a spectacle film. Uh, again, I like the performances from Goldblum. I like the performance from Will Smith and others. But, you know, at the end of the day, it is it is it's pretty good. But the the most important thing is, is it's a fun romp to watch, especially more fun to watch when you have something else going on. Because if you're just actually sitting there, then it becomes a bit tedious. Well, there you go, dear listener. Now you know where we go as far as review goes. But listen, I'm thinking it's time to get on to analysis. In fact, I think it's time to get down to business. And the business at hand, dear listener, is analysis. We're going to bring some analysis to Independence Day in spite of its blockbuster and popcorn film status. I begin with you, Miss Alexandra Bohannon. What say you? 
this movie has some keen environmental themes I would like to discuss today. Ever since we see David, Jeff Goldblum's character, he lectures his coworkers about recycling. I realize this is probably the reading I was going to take because, I mean, going back to your, we need to have a keen editor in here um, editing down some of these superfluous lines. It almost seems like a throwaway point, but I felt like it kind of anchors a lot of interesting um, questions you have about environmental issues when we get back into the rest of the movie. Essentially, this movie has aliens trying to capitalize on additional limited resources by destroying them. So they're going to hold various places on the Earth hostage, and then they're going to essentially um, take all of these resources, which is a very common science fiction trope. You know, the aliens are going to steal their stuff, you know, for their own nefarious or, you know, to save their own planet purposes. Also a plank in many parties' platforms. Go right. On. <laughs> and uh, to us, seeing the aliens obliterate large swaths of the country seems ridiculous. Uh, but if we think about that a little more, we're kind of missing the point. I mean, the whole concept may seem, you know, forgive me, alien. <laughs> but uh, you just really have to think about what this could be saying about in environmental issues and especially environmentalism as an American. Going back to that pop can scene again with uh, David, we should think more closely about that. We have a human complaining to another human that what he, he is doing is wasteful by not recycling. But at the same time, isn't buying a single-use drink in a single-use receptacle also wasteful? Um, just for some facts from recycleacrossamerica.org, Every three months, Americans throw away enough aluminum in landfills to build our entire, um, our nation's entire commercial air fleet. The av- average person has the opportunity to recycle more than 25,000 cans in a lifetime. And recycling a single aluminum can saves enough energy to power TV for three hours. So and there's a lot of other facts on Recycle Across America uh, that has some relevant relevance to this thing. But my, my point is here. We tend to destroy things, just like the aliens do, to justify getting another resource. We destroy the rainforest, but we justify it by getting lumber and paper. We destroy the ozone, but we justify it by having the privilege of driving a car. Or flying a plane, like those guys did for that end of the movie. Um, I'm not saying that we have to go back to the Dark Ages or not use the resources we are given, but we do need to contemplate it using a little more wisely. A lot more wisely, actually. I mean, otherwise, we might meet the same fate as the aliens who destroyed themselves on one fateful Independence Day. Well, I mean, there you go. I mean, there, there is a actual real practical way that we can save the Earth, you know, yeah. and it, is not, it does not involve spaceships and uh, uploading viruses. But we can't shoot any missiles at it. I know, which is far less fun. And, you know, but, you know, we gotta, you got to sort out the recycling because it's not part of it, but it's very important. Yeah, I mean, just just considering the the small things that add up over a long period of time, you know, I know that it's, you know, everyone has times where they can't recycle or can't be as environmentally conscious, and that's fine. But just just remembering that, if you're judging the aliens by what they're doing is ridiculous, they're just doing a an extremely macrocosmic view of what we're doing to our own planet on a day-to-day basis. Excellent. Thank you very much, Ms. Alexander Bohannon. Mr. Dalton Stewart, what say you in terms of analysis? Well, good news, bad news. The good news is I'm not going to talk about something to talk about something else. Yay! So you're not going to talk? <laughs> Go fuck yourself, holy man. Here, here comes the bad news. <laughs> the bad news is I've got like four analyses. 
Now, I'm going to keep all these short analyses. analyses. The reason for this, um, I, I weirdly had just a lot of things pop into my head while watching this movie, more than I would have expected. Uh, I don't think I'm smart enough to tease a full analysis out of all of these, or I don't think there's enough text within the film to really support them. But they're all things that I thought of that I was like, oh, huh. So consider this like a junk drawer potpourri analysis uh, for Independence Day. Number one, computers are magic. Uh, everything's been possible since uh, science invented magic, and in this case, it's computers. Uh, since the Internet's been around, uh, we've been treated to people hacking computers, uh, usually with really shitty CGI models. See Jurassic Park, the titular hackers, and really every other movie featuring computers from the early 90s. Oh, also Lawnmower Man. Um, Sandra Bullock in the net. Oh, I forgot about that one. Crazy town. Lots Crazy of, town. There's a lot of bad computer hacking in the 90s, uh, and it still happens today. Computers are still magic now. Uh, if you guys have seen Sensate, computers are magic. It's silly, and somehow, despite the fact they've been an integral part of our daily life for over 20 years now, we haven't just been like, okay, we should probably pay more attention when we write computers. Uh, final point, the CSI Cyber. Moving on, America is the world. America is the world, and it always has been, at least since the 1950s when we started cranking out a fuckload of movies every single year uh, and hoping other people would watch them, but mostly not caring. We knew Americans would go see them, and if other people wouldn't saw them, that's just hunky-dory. So when you needed to uh, establish that something was happening in another country, you showed some people smoking cigarettes and berets, maybe in front of the Eiffel Tower. You show some dudes on camels in a desert, and then you show some quote-unquote tribal folk, uh, usually of a darker persuasion, usually wearing uh, rings. That's the rest of the world, as far as America's concerned. Until now. Now, that's changing. Uh, and that was something I kept thinking about during this film, uh, was I can't wait for Independence Day colon resurgence to come out, because it's going to feature China much more prominently. Because uh, China's not in this movie. I don't know if you caught that. Not at all. Japan is. Uh, despite not having a standing military. Moving on. Uh, it's really interesting to see how the, the cinematic world has changed in 20 years. And that's something I thought a lot about while watching Independence Day, was... Now the rest of the world is featured a little bit more prominently and with a little bit more care and a little bit more attention because we want their fucking money, which I think is fascinating. Um, uh, the almighty dollar is the great equalizer. Uh, if a studio wants other countries to see their movie, they will treat them with respect or pandering, whichever. And finally, bureaucracy. We like to pretend we hate it, but we really don't. In this movie, the closest thing we have to a bad guy is the Secretary of Defense because he acquiesces. He is not a man of action. He wants to, to think things through. Um, and when he is a man of action, it usually isn't the wrong, the right action. It's, it's the, the quick, easy, simple action as opposed to playing the long game. Um, we don't like bureaucracy, so we're super happy when the president clocks him. Or he doesn't get punched. I don't know why I thought about that. He fires him. And it's like, get out of here. Oh, you dumb bureaucrats. I'm the president now. And again, I talked about this early in the movie, and it works for the president's character arc. Um, you know, he doesn't feel like a good president because he's like, I don't know what to do. I was a good fighter pilot, but now my hands are tied by bureaucracy. And anytime somebody's hands are tied by bureaucracy in a movie, it will end with them going like, no, no more. I'm going to do what's right no matter what. Uh, and that's really cool in the film. Because it's satisfying, and it gives us what we want. In the real world, uh, we suffer under the yoke of bureaucracy constantly and don't really do much to fight it. Uh, when was the last time you went to the DMV, or slash Department of Motor Safety? Um, you were there for all, the whole day, right? Are you stopping going there? Are you fighting, putting up a fight about that? No, you're not. 
When was the last time you thought about actually being the kind of person that affects real change to that system? If you're like me, you just like Monday morning quarterbacking and aren't really going to do anything about that. And that's because we're all very complacent with bureaucracy. It's a big pain in the ass, and nobody likes it, and especially we don't like it in movies. And that's why that's so cathartic when people break the yoke of bureaucracy and indecision and inaction and inefficiency and, you know, paper pushing uh, in film. Because we don't do it in real life. We don't really care to. uh, And even if we care to, it's really not that feasible. So uh, those are the things that I thought about. Computers are magic, America is the world, and we hate bureaucracy, but not really. There you go. I think those are great observations, Mr. Dell Stewart. Thank you very much. The analysis I want to bring is, at first blush, this film also perhaps seems to be quite uh, ethnically, diver- or rather ethnic diversity affirming. Uh, the opening scenes at SETI, where uh, we see the guy who is the uh, tribal leader from Stargate, uh, and others, and, and the rest of them are you know the women and uh, minorities and this sort of uh, you know kind of a rainbow kaleidoscopic sort of diversity there in that moment. And then of course the leads in the film, uh, Will Smith, African American, obviously, and then a clearly Jewish, very Jewish uh, Jeff Goldblum, especially considering Jeff Goldblum's dad, who is like you know uh, this this strange Shel Silverstein meets Lemony Snicket uh, sort of grandfatherly character. I always forget his name, but I love that actor. Oh, he's so good. I always forget his name, but he's... Judd Hirsch, I believe, right? Judd Hirsch, that's it. That's I it. adore him. And that, you know, that moment where, oh, if I knew if I was going to the White House, I'd have wore a tie. I feel like a schlemiel. I mean, it's, 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 I mean, it's, it's super, super, super Jewish. So there is, again, this sort of othering that goes on there. And I, my, my thesis would be is that this is not Bill Pullman's movie. This is not Robert Loge's movie. This is not any of the various suits and military officers, including Jane from Firefly. This is, this is not any of those people's movie. It is the film uh, about the lives of you know, Jeff Goldblum and of Will Smith, uh, uh, of Tyra Banks, and these other characters, not Tyra Banks. Vivica Fox, Viv- Vivica Breath. Fox. What did I mean? What was wrong with me? You just invalidated your whole uh, argument by saying all black women look alike. Oh, man. I just I said the wrong name is all. <laughs> Dear listener, he did just say the wrong name. He's old. He gets easily confused. Uh, it does happen at my age. Uh, but, you know, we, we these characters, uh, Buckwheat, you know, being I used. know, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I was. It took me about 20 minutes to figure out who that kid was. And I was like, oh, my God, it's Buckwheat for the Little Rascals movie. The only angle that the film's sort of about is Randy Quaid's character, who is othered by his alcoholism. And, of course, he's got his own multicultural children that we've already addressed so far in uh, our discussion slash analysis. And you go, oh, man, see how world-affirming this is. See how exciting this is that we, we have a film that's sort of vehicularly carried by uh, these others, and of course, we have a gay character that's in the building with Jeff Goldblum, and that's really sort of the linchpin moment when you start looking at Ross, who, or rather Mark, who plays Ross in Mrs. Doubtfire. He's so happy, right? That uh, that <laughs> he wants to be made a woman. Daniel, make me a woman. <laughs> I'm so happy. <laughs> and what we what we then begin to see, though, is that these characters are definitely being cast in terms of their racial profile but then they're being cast and played as stereotypes that Vivica Fox and uh, Will Smith are only speaking in sort of these 
you know, African Americanisms that easily identify themselves as, you know, uh, African Americans because it's funny for them to talk like black people do. You know, when when she says you thinking you all that, there's no necessary necessary part of that line. Will Smith's diatribes against the dead body with the dreadlocks all hanging out. All of that is to emphasize his blackness. Yeah, I was actually considering because one thing that I always find really uh, interesting to is uh, gender blind and color blind casting whenever making casting decisions um, in terms of like what you have as the author's text and who would you have to fulfill that role. And so I was just like, okay, could I was just like playing a little game with myself. I was like, oh, could you cast uh, Will Smith's character as you know just like a white man or a white woman or someone of a different ethnicity? And you couldn't, and, and that lines. was not with those lines. And then that really, really bothered me. Now, now, now to t- to point of fact, there is a lot of ad-libbing that I was, goes about, on. I was just about to say that. Point of fact, Will Smith notoriously, especially his uh, scenes with Goldblum, the two of them were riffing a lot. But um, that's still a directorial choice. Absolutely. And, and so there's still responsibility there. Even though the, maybe those lines are not written per se, the way the performance are elucidated and the, the way in which uh, it's being chosen to frame is to emphasize that. And you begin to see, oh, his blackness is what makes him funny. The Jewish nerdiness of Jeff Goldblum is what makes him funny. The, fam- the flamboyant gayness of Mark is what makes him funny. And then, uh, again, the otherness of alcoholism and his uh, dysfunctional family for, for Russell is-, is what makes him funny and entertaining. And then I realized we're watching a Hollywood blockbuster, and we're seeing exactly what, uh, what, what commodification does. It is the commodification of other humans, especially in terms of their bodies. There's another Will Smith movie that we looked at, Bad Boys 2, and I talked about the com- commodification of, uh, of African bodies for entertainment. And what we see in this film is the commodification of bodies and personalities and of, again, sort of bigoted and racial stereotypes. Uh, not, a, not just racial because Mark's not a racial issue. It's, 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 a, it's a sexuality issue. But we're seeing those things being used as a way to entertain us inside the cinematic world. It's a way to provide escape from the aliens for the white characters, and then for the majority white North American audience who are watching this film, it provides a way of escape for us because what ends up being sold as a product is a $75 million movie that makes $811 million, born on the backs of minority racial othering stereotypes and that they are no longer human beings of any real depth of any real significance and meaning as as human beings they are merely shades and shadows of humanity based on whatever stereotype happens to be in place and in that way independence day becomes a very very disturbing film and so uh, that, 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 that's, I think, the analysis that I would want to bring uh, to that it, it is, again, it, it's just the use of these characters as a, as a saving escape for the cinematic world and then, again, our escape in, in as far as entertainment goes in the real world. And the fact that what it does is perpetuates this commodification of, uh, of a subhumanness in the way in which society tends to others, folks who are different in any way. So there you go, dear listener. You've heard our analysis. We'd love to hear your thoughts on our thoughts and uh, to give us a little bit of feedback about that. But we need to move on and make a verdict at this time. We need to make a selection, shelf or trash, and then go ahead and suggest our else's or instead's for your cinematic good trash film studies syllabus. I begin with you, Mr. Dalton Stewart. What say you? You, um... You don't need to own this movie. You really don't. Um, I know I kind of 
really went to bat for it more than anybody except for maybe Arthur. I think Arthur and I, you, you and I probably are of the same mind on this film. I don't think you need to own it by a long shot. <laughs> I, I hadn't seen this movie probably since it was first released on VHS or, you know, you know, I'd seen bits and pieces of it on cable since it's theatrical release, I'm sure. Um, but this is the first time I'd watch this movie from start to finish and easily the better part of a decade, if not more. Um, so it's fine. You don't need to own it. Um, but it is a lot of fun. So if you find yourself wondering, what was the, the big hoopla about this movie in 1996? Uh, a film that is sometimes credited as really uh, injecting new life into the blockbuster genre. Uh, I've heard that argument made. I don't know how much I agree with it, um, honestly. Um, but it's an argument that's been made. So check it out if, if you're interested. Don't check it out if you're not. Because I give it five fat ladies singing out of a possible nine and a half. So L slash instead, since I gave kind of a middling recommendation, um, either paired with or instead of, just real quick, uh, a really fun slash funny um, alien invasion movie from last year, uh, Edge of Tomorrow, colon, Live, Die, Repeat, starring uh, Tom Cruise and Emily Blunt. A lot of fun. Uh, uh, just a delightfully fun movie with way better action scenes and as well-written characters um, with a great sense of humor. Um, Men in Black, if you want more Will Smith fighting aliens, um, and if you want just about the shittiest uh, alien invasion movie from the last 30 years, Battle Los Angeles, starring Aaron Eckhart, is so bad it's almost good. It's it's really that bad, um, but I kind of like it a little bit. Thank you very much, Mr. Dalton Stewart, for those recommendations. Ms. Alexandra Bohannon, what say you? Shell for trash, and what are your else's or instead's? Uh, this, this movie just... I don't like it, and I just, you should throw it away. I don't think you need to be super sentimental about it. You're a monster. I don't there's like not this enough, movie. There's not enough Goldblum out there to be throwing away things okay. he's in. Fine. He looks great in this movie, but I don't think that his uh, dreamy visage is enough to save this film, um, at least with all the troubling thematic stuff that I felt going on. I just couldn't pull myself out of those things. So I give it 3.5, quote, exotic dancers wanting to be wanting to be abducted by aliens out of 17. Um, and uh, so for my else's, uh, instead's, I mean, for my instead's, I would recommend to you, uh, Men in Black was one of my picks as well for that Will Smith alien action, another rompy kind of, kind of spectacle movie. And then I also would recommend, I know Dalton said stuff about how uh, the Mar- Marvel franchise doesn't, necessarily treat the large civilian loss with um, enough uh, gravity, but I would still recommend, you know, Iron Man or Cap, Cap in America, um, just if you want to have an, um, an, quote, American good time, you know, see some bad guys get beat up. Excellent. Thank you very much, Miss Alexandra Bohannon. Mr. Arthur Gord, what do you say? Show for trash, else or instead? I really like this movie, and it's never streaming. Uh, I think it is a box office classic, blockbuster classic of the 90s, and it really launched Smith as a uh, box office draw. So, yeah, it's on my shelf. I'll, on DVD, I'll probably pick it up on Blu-ray because I really enjoy this movie. Um, else, read War of the Worlds. Listen to the old Orson Welles radio broadcasts. Um, watch Jurassic Park, obviously. Watch The Fly. Uh, more Goldblum all the time. Uh, also... Just in that vein, the Grand Budapest Hotel, because he's fun there. Uh, finally, obviously, like everybody else has said, Men in Black. have to watch Men in Black with this, I think. So, there you go. 
I would give it uh, seven and a half stereotypical old Jewish men out of ten. Thank you very much, Mr. Arthur Gordon, for that. Uh, what I would say is I'm going to say trash, too. I mean, it, it's fun, it, it, but it's perpetually on television. It's perpetually you know, on cable rotations, and you find it in a lot of places. It doesn't stream very often, as Arthur says, and I think that's accurate. But there, there are plenty of times it's out and about, and it's around, and uh, there's a lot of copies owned out there in this good world. And so I would say catch it that way because, really, it is isn't not something worth owning, even though it is – Tons and tons and tons of fun in some ways, although disturbing in other ways. If you want more Goldblum, I'm going to recommend a very, very rare pick from Mr. Goldblum, which is uh, his uh, joint feature with uh, one Alicia Silverstone, uh, Hideaway, a Dean Koontz novel. It's a little thriller, supernatural thing going on, and uh, she plays his daughter. And it's fascinating. Fascinating. There's demons, there's angels, and it's insane. And there's lots of Goldblum. So I will say uh, very little more. Uh, dear listener, if anyone's actually seen Hideaway and would like to say something to me uh, about Visago, I would love to hear that right away. It would just make me very, very happy. But uh, moving right along, uh, we're going to go ahead and uh, do what we need to do at this point, which is to talk about how you can be part of the conversation via those magical means that we all know as social media. Mr. Arthur Gordon, you know anything else about or anything in first about those social media means by which conversations are held? Uh, yeah, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash good trash genre cast. Uh, we've had some likes and shares over there, but we'd like to hear some comments and have you talk to us when you can. Uh, we really enjoy that feedback, and we, uh, we, we like to talk to you. We like to know what you're going through. We want to be there for you. Uh, also, you can find us on Gmail, uh, good trash genre cast at gmail.com. Send us an email. We'll read that on the air if it's uh, appropriate. Uh, at the most basic level of being appropriate. Also, uh, you can connect with us on Google+. Plus. You can add us to your circle and uh, connect with us there as well. And that's what we've got coming in from s- those social mediums this way, this week. Thank you very much, Mr. Arthur Gordon. Mr. Dalton Stewart, do you know anything else about social media means by which conversations might be held? In less than an hour, tweets from here will join others around the world. And you will be launching the largest social social media campaign in the history of mankind. Mankind. That word should have new meaning for all of us today. We can't be consumed by our petty differences anymore. We will be united in our common interest. Perhaps it's fate that today is the 4th of July. And you will once again be fighting for our followers. Not from spam accounts. Not from movie accounts, not from shameless shameless self-promotion, but from annihilation. We are fighting for our right to tweet, to exist. And should we win the day, the 4th of July will no longer be known as a Twitter holiday. But as the day all of social media declared in one voice, we will not go quietly into the night. We will not vanish without updating people on what we had for brunch. We will live on. We will continue to post inane pictures of cats doing silly things. Today we celebrate our complete abundance of free time on the internet. Ladies and gentlemen, the Good Trash Genre Cast can be found on Twitter at good underscore trash. Thank you very much, Mr. Dollar Stewart. Is there any feedback coming in from that Twitter account? As a matter of fact, there is. Isn't that exciting? Yes. Would you like to hear some of it? Yes, please. Good. Uh, at Will and Wes, which is uh, another podcast on Podbean, thanks to thanked us for uh, following them on Podbean. So that was kind of cute. Um, we got new follows from uh, 
both that podcast and uh, somebody that appears to be one of the co-hosts of that podcast and somebody named Summer Reeves. So that's cool. Um, we're also being followed by Cult Classics um, and um, Shane Arrington, a long time, long time listener of the show, tweeted in and said uh, he's got, uh, going on a road trip in a couple of weeks and he's looking forward to listening to Good Trash. He's got some catching up to do. Uh, but the most exciting thing that happened on Twitter this week is uh, apparently people noticed the uh, the love fest that was going on between us and Wolf Cop uh, because we we not propositioning ourselves. I want to remind you. I know I do that a lot on this show. Uh, I whore us out needlessly, um, both here in the audio, audio medium and on Twitter. Uh, we were propositioned by a film called Love in the Time of Monsters. Um, and they were like, hey, you should talk about our show. Uh, you know, no wolf cop, but uh, it's got squirrels, zombie squirrels, and it's funny. I'm in. Yeah, that, I was like, you had me at zombie squirrels. Uh, but They then had we, me at Doug Jones and Kane Hodder. I did not get a chance to look at the cast. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Doug Jones, uh, for those of you not in the know, is um, the man inside the suit of Abe Sapien. Um, he's done a lot of character. He's He's been in a lot of costumes, guys. He's like... Uh, Ray Park, but with less martial arts. Um, but anyway. And Kane Harder is the man behind the mask who played Jason Voorhees the last three or four. The of, last handful of, uh, them, uh, yeah. well, uh, of, of of the Friday 13th films. Yeah. So that's cool. So we had this whole back and forth on Twitter with this film called Love in the Time of Monsters, uh, including but not limited to, hey, give us a screener. Hey, let's do an interview. All kinds of cool shit like that. So apparently we're making friends with a lot of uh, indie horror films, which is nice. It's good trash. We're happy. Well, that that's it. I, I, I already told you all the other things that happen on Twitter. I saved the best for last. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you very much, Mr. Donaldson. Of course, we want more feedback coming in always through all those mediums. You can also leave comments on iTunes and reviews there. We Those are very, very helpful for us. Comments at Podbean and also at Stitcher Internet Radio where you can find this podcast. So uh, please, please do that because it's always very, very helpful to us all. And uh, those iTunes reviews are just so essential in aiding us in uh, being able to get more of that good trash, good news out there to uh, the dear listeners throughout the world. But, guys, enough of this. I think it's time to play the game. This week's game is our favorite conspiracy theories because Independence Day is full of them that we'd like to see on film. That's right. Favorite conspiracy theories because Independence Day is full of them that we'd like to see in a film. Brought to you by Independence Day. Independence Day. What's hotter than gold bloom? The answer is nothing, you idiot. <laughs> Thank you very much, Mr. Dalton Stewart. And so, yes, indeed, we are going to go down that rabbit hole and talk about the Pentaveret and others, you know, Colonel Sanders, the Queen, the Pope, and uh, I'm forgetting who else are involved in it, but there's an addictive chemical in the chicken that makes you crave it fortnightly. That's all I really know. Uh, but we're going to be talking about those sort of uh, conspiracy theories and ones that we'd like to see in film. So I begin with you, Mr. Dalton Stewart. What's your pick? So um, this one's actually like kind of confirmed. The CIA during the late 70s, early 80s, into the late 80s, uh, was actively smuggling drugs into the country, um, both for... 
furnishing various um, military uprisings um, <clears throat> with weaponry um, and intelligence throughout the world uh, during the Cold War. Uh, some have made the assertion that they were doing it to weaken black communities. That is a little bit more difficult to prove. Um, but they're con- confirmed they were bringing drugs into the country, um, which is kind of fascinating. I've already seen this on film, though. There's a great movie called Black Dynamite um, where the white man, uh, personified by Richard Nixon, is um, distributing a malt liquor that gives black men tiny penises. That's the plot of Black Dynamite. Are you aware of this? Yeah, it's it's funny. That it's, is a fun movie. It's a fabulous movie. Yeah, I've seen it a couple times now. I love it so much. It's hilarious. I Every time I watch it, it makes me so happy. Uh, Anaconda Malt Liquor gives you a little Richard. Here's a, another conspiracy theory um, that actually they made a movie out of, and apparently it sucked, which is unfortunate. Um, so the last Apollo mission was Apollo 18, I think, and they canceled it. Um, they did a found footage movie that said, they didn't cancel it. We went to the moon and got killed by aliens, which sounds fucking sweet, but apparently the movie's garbage. But yeah, I, it's pretty bad. I think that's an interesting premise for a film, though, which which is cool. Um, really, anything like that, that, like, I love that kind of, oh, man, the government built a car that ran on water. I love that. Those are my favorite kind of conspiracy theories, not like jet fuel doesn't melt steel or there was a fifth shooter on the grassy dick hole i don't know I, I, because spoiler i don't really like conspiracy theories i i know i just got really graphic and glib i don't like them because it, it allows people to bury their head in the sand when really just if you follow the money it's not nothing's being done in secret it's all done out in the open uh, and money's actively changing hands between oil companies and the military industrial complex now i sound like britta from community i realize that i'm sorry um but again i like the silly conspiracy theories so i would like to see the comedy about staging the moon landing um starring jack black as stanley kubrick and that's really all i've got cast so far um (laughs) but or uh not not oh no no what is that guy's name josh gad i'd like to see that uh he's about to play steve wozniak which is awesome um just guy i want to see that movie how great would that be yeah you want to see that movie, Dustin? I'd watch it. I'd watch it all yeah. kinds. That's all I got. Um, I, I, this game is interesting to me, and uh, the more I thought about it, the less things came to my brain, which is kind of weird. That's funny. Well, thank you very much for those selections, Mr. Dalton Stewart. Mr. Arthur Gordon, what are your picks? Well, I, too, would like to see the uh, the story of the moon landing, uh, all of Dalton, but I don't want a comedy. I think I want a David Fincher, Aaron Sorkin kind of super drama about it. Uh, really intense, really yeah, social network esque. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, really, more of a character study that about America's problems rather than an actual story about the moon landing. Uh, but I think it would be uh, 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 the prime material. Um, see, I, I'd like to see the kind of the uh, the screwball comedy. Um, I'm thinking like Argo, but with more comedy and less stakes. <laughs> like the, the first half of Argo. Um, also, uh, I think. And there's a movie that's already hit on this, but uh, I think the idea of uh, celebrities uh, don't actually, you know, the ones that die young, maybe they don't really die. My wife has the same theory that uh, celebrities never die young. They just go into WITSEC so that they don't have to deal with the fame anymore or popularity. Oh, my God. I would watch this movie. There's already a movie about this? Well, I'll... uh, That becomes her. No. (laughs) I was thinking of Bubba Hotep. Uh, Oh, okay. I've I've never seen it. Uh, I'm familiar with it. Yeah. But I think it would be a great... Like this, maybe like cocoon type of thing. There's like this communal <laughs> gathering yes. of all these celebrities that are just in hiding, 
maybe in the, in the Bahamas. Just a big ensemble piece. I think it'd be a lot of fun. So there's something to that, I think. This dream that the celebrities never die. They're still alive somewhere, hanging out. Excellent. Thank you very much, Mr. Arthur Gordon. Ms. Alexandra Bohannon, what are your picks? Well, um, my pick this is kind of an amalgam, a whole bunch of them. And it goes all under the umbrella name of the Denver Airport Conspiracy Theory, which... Um, crazy town. Yeah, this is this is crazy because... The Denver Airport Conspiracy Theory refers to a collection of theories surrounding that uh, DIA's the common um, that the DIA's the secret headquartered or headquarters or compound used by the Illuminati, the New World Order, the neo Nazis, or the Reptoids. Yeah, so this don't is you know they're all the same. <laughs> yeah, this is full on like the, the Denver International Airport stuff is like full on tinfoil hat. I don't vote because I think they're all shape shifting lizard people. Um, Hopefully, people who will never breed. Um, so there's the whole issue. One of the biggest parts of this theory is that the um, above from the aerial shot, it looks like a giant um, lopsided swastika. That's why the neo-Nazi thing. It does look like a swastika. But yes. It is also the, the way you right design there. courtyards if you want to have four courtyards on every side on a building. Yeah. But whatever. Um, and then there's a whole bunch of other stuff regarding that these are, like, have underground death camps from, like, um, from, like, FEMA death camps. This was the airport that had a bunch of FEMA death camps. And then... Well, now it's the Affordable Care Act's um, right. panels and camps, I believe, now. And then, apparently, there's a whole other thing about the art. The art in the airport is arguably very weird. Like, there are some really strange choices. Yeah, a few times. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. Um, so they apparently all of this art comes together and it, it makes like a code that or like some kind of message about what they're, these various groups are doing. So I don't necessarily want to see a movie about um, like a like a. Um, like a Da Vinci Code type rendition of the debunk, you know, going into the Denver airport and doing stuff. I want to see a documentary made about all the people that legitimately think that this is true. Yes. Because I just want to hear them tell the stories yes. of this airport. And oh like, my God, yes. I want the room 237 about the Denver International Airport. Because it's just such Death. a, it's a huge umbrella conspiracy theory. It's not just like one subject matter. It contains so many different like popular conspiracy theory tropes and ideas. And it's just... And it's hilarious, and uh, whenever I first learned about it on a different podcast, like, their treatment of it was so funny. I just, like, I have to know more about this, you know? So I'd love to see a, a just, like, a documentary treatment of the Denver airport theory. My favorite conspiracy theories that I'd like to see in film, and I don't know if they're favorite conspiracy theories as much as I would like to see them in film. That's kind of where I went with and, and, and so what I'd like to see is a Billy Wilder directed some like it hot version of this this crazy conspiracy theory uh, i don't know if you guys are familiar with this but the bush's grandfather was a nazi is is the theory in in the 20s have you heard this before and uh so there's Go on. there's uh, then there's uh, i don't know what kind of connections they had with the reich and business they were doing across in germany but that the, the bushes are all sort of connected to these uh these crazy nazis and this back and forth sort of wheeling and dealing that was going on during uh world war ii and it leading up to world war ii especially if it could involve a little bit of cross-dressing uh, and i want to say again I, 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 want, I want the billy wilder version of that because i think it'd be very very hilarious it has to be directed by billy wilder uh, absolutely billy wilder or uh 
maybe whoever directed Priscilla Queen of the Desert. Um, I could get behind that too, I think. But uh, good times, I think, would be had by all there. We all know the best conspiracy theory movies already been made, though, and that's Oliver Stone's JFK. <laughs> I'm yeah. sorry, I couldn't even say it with a straight face. I'm sorry. Mercy. Uh, the other one I like to see, it, it, there, there, there's all this sort of uh, conspiracy theory that, that surrounds the uh, Clinton presidency uh, with uh, Whitewater and with uh, you know Clinton's alleged uh, cocaine habit, of course, Monica Lewinsky. And uh, there, there's also a, a lot of stories that, that actually Hillary Clinton killed Vince Foster herself. And I want to see this Quentin Tarantino-directed Kill Bill version of the Clinton presidency. Uh, and I, I again, w- w- subscribing to all of the crazy that goes alongside all that. I, I think a good time would be had by all watching that film as well. Dear listener, what are your picks for conspiracy theories you'd like to see committed to? I was going to say celluloid, but that doesn't happen anymore. Digital film, however that happens. And uh, we'd love to hear those selections, and we'd love to hear more from you about all of that. But we're going to move on now and conclude and conclude the show, as we always do, with what's got us fired up this week in pop culture. Dalton, I know you didn't start the fire, but I'd like to hear what you're fired up about this week. Go ahead, brother. Um, I'm very excited. Well, I'm fired up. I don't know how excited I am about a couple of these. Um, Hannibal got canceled. Yeah, that's a bad fire. It's it's the worst thing that's ever happened. Um, I'm really sad. Um, I I don't know if it's as sad as the fact that Firefly got canceled. Probably not, since Hannibal did still get three seasons. And uh, there seems to be a pretty good chance that it'll uh, get picked up by somebody else. Um, I don't know, honestly. Uh, NBC doesn't own it, technically. It's it's one of those, like, like Sony owns Community, which is why Yahoo could pick it up. I think it's one of those deals where somebody else the actually... The De Laurentiis has owned it, yeah. Yeah, so, somebody owns it, so theoretically another company could pick it up. Um, Amazon seems the most likely, since they have, like, exclusive streaming rights for it. Um, but that's sad. Hey, Mark Marin interviewed President Obama. That was cool, right? It was a really good episode. Oh, my God. Uh, I listened to a lot of uh, WTF, so... I, I, I mean, I've, I've always known I'm, Mark Maron's a great interviewer. I mean, I wouldn't go as far as to compare him to Terry Gross, but he's a, a damn good interviewer. Um, that was hilarious. Uh, and, man, just a just a great interview, right? Um, I know you've listened to it, Alex. Oh, yeah. Super I don't, good. Yeah, I didn't think either of you had. Um, really solid. Um, even if you don't listen to Mark Maron's podcast, WTF, which you should be because it's a good interview podcast, and he talks to a lot of comedians, musicians, and filmmakers at all. Um, but if you've ever wanted to kind of see a more human side to the president, and I think that's how this whole thing happened, is the White House is was looking to promote him and the Democratic Party, um, and we're like, well, what's a young, hip thing we can do? And their solution was have him on WTF. Um, and I don't think I've ever seen a more human interview with a president in all the time that I've been following politics, which is since I was like 13 now, so what, 12, 13 years. Um, Fetus. <laughs> um, but again, ha- having followed a lot of politics and seeing a lot of presidential interviews, I don't think I've seen an interview with the si- or listened to an interview with the sitting president that was that intimate. I guess there. I mean, it was just the two of them in the room. Nobody was allowed in the room while they were talking, and it's just two guys behind a couple of microphones just shooting the breeze. It's a great interview. You should check it out. And um, uh, I've started playing Batman Arkham Knight. Uh, I, oh God, it's so great. That's really all else I have going on right now. 
It's wonderful and fabulous. Thank you very much, Mr. Dalton Stewart. Miss Alexander Bohanner, are you fired up this week? Yes, I am. I um, caught Inside Out the Friday before you guys recorded your last episode that I wasn't able to be here for. And then um, that is so wonderful. That movie is so good. You should go see it if you haven't seen Inside Out already. I cried so much. Um, you know, not always like sad, emotional tears, but there's lots of flavors of crying in that movie. And you just have to watch it. Well, and then, of course, this week there was you know, landmark Supreme Court cases, which whichever side of the political spectrum you fall on, um, it's been an interesting week, especially on social media, which looks like someone opened a bag of Skittles and just like threw them so uh, at profile pictures. Arnold Schwarzenegger's was my favorite. Yes, yeah. his response to the whole so ordeal. Funny. So funny. Yeah. Thank you very much, Mrs. Alexander Bohan and Mr. Arthur Gordon. Are you fired up this week? A little bit. The only couple of things I've got, I've started going back to rewatch The Office, uh, starting in season one and rewatching all of that. Uh, and it's still a lot of fun. It's still a really funny show. Um, Steve Carell's just killing it early on, and the ensemble they put together is just great and great writing. And so it's a lot of fun to revisit all of that. Uh, the other thing, as Dalton mentioned, uh, is Arkham Knight, which I've been playing. I am just a few percentages into the game, but it is a lot of fun, and I get to drive the Batmobile, both uh, remotely and as the Batman, which Bro, is a lot of fun. so cool. That's fun. You get to launch out of the Batmobile and glide across the city. Ugh. It's, it's great, and there's been some really cool stuff. I got to see some comic story arcs acted out uh, on the video game, which is a really cool interaction, I think. So, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Did I, you get the crap scared out of you by Man Bat yep, yet? Yep, yeah, you yep, too. I was about to say that. Yep. It's terrifying. was not expecting it. Nope, me either. <laughs> I was going to grapple up this building. Oh, hey there. I, I heard like guys talking about it, and I was like, oh, that's not going to go anywhere. That's just like a cool passing reference. Oh, nope, that's a Man Bat. That's scary. <laughs> I was not not expecting him to show up. Yep. So, But that's that's what I got this week. Not a lot going on, just some TV and games. I'm a little fired up about my Blu-ray copy of Wolf Cop. It's really cool. It's wolf Cop, Wolf Cop, Wolf Cop. He's the Wolf Cop. I, that's all I remember about that song. That's like how it opens. It's funny. I'm the Wolf Cop. And uh, I, it's so much fun. There's so much cool stuff on there. We are definitely going to have a party. We're going to watch the extra features together uh, as a crew. Uh, included in there was a couple trailers. And I sent some links to you a lot. And I know none of you watched any of them. But busy week. That's fine. You're still dead to me. Uh, but one of them included the houses that October built, which is looks vaguely found footagey. I'm not sure. Yeah, I've been Netflix has been pushing that on me real it, hard lately. It's a, it's about a group of guys who are looking for the scariest you know haunted houses. We we have you know during October uh-huh. everyone puts on their big haunted house show, and how can you go very extreme with scares without hurting someone, touching someone, you know, sort of obeying the rules? And they get ominous letters going. Go here to find the scariest thing. No. And something crazy town no, happens. Oh, I already in the woods. don't like it. It's it looks amazing. Yeah. Again, I have seen it on Netflix and I'm like, well, that seems fairly interesting. Um, what was the other one you sent me? There's one you sent me that I was like hard pass. I didn't even watch it. The one with Danny Glover about the about the uh, mummy? Yeah, hard pass. What? With Danny Glover and the mummy and the porn glasses? Yeah, hard pass. Why? It sounds fucking stupid. <laughs> yes, of course it's stupid. And it looks like so much fun. You're dead to me. Hard pass. I forgot the name of it now. I, I, uh, Dalton it was, says that now, but when they start tweeting us on Twitter, he's going to be all Day over It's Day of them. the Mummy, I think, is the name of it. Well, there you go. Uh, dear listener, now you know what's going on there with us and things that we are fired up about. We'd love to hear about what you're fired up about. And we'd also love for you to take a look at next week's film. And you're going to need to get to the chopper, dear listener, because we're going to be taking a look at Arnold Schwarzenegger in Predator.
rescue team, not assassins. Now, what do we got to do? In a part of the world where there are no rules. We pick up their trail at the chopper, run them down, grab those hostages before anybody knows we were there. What do you mean, we? Deep in the jungle, where nothing that lives is safe. You lose it here. You're in a world of hurt. Showtime, Jeff. Knock, knock. An elite rescue squad. You're bleeding, man. I ain't got time to bleed. <laughs> is being led by the ultimate warrior. We need the best. That's why you're here. But now... What's got Billy so spooked? There's something out there waiting for us. And it ain't no man. They're up against the ultimate enemy. Holy mother God. Nothing like it has ever been on Earth before. She says the jungle just came alive and took him. We cannot see it. No blood, no bodies. We hit nothing. But it sees the heat of our bodies and the heat of our fear. Whatever it is out there, it killed Hopper. And now it wants us. It kills for pleasure. He was skinned alive! It hunts for sport. He's killing us one at a time. We're all gonna die. But this time, it's picked the wrong man to hunt. If it bleeds, we can kill it. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Predator. The hunt begins Friday, June 12th at theaters everywhere. I have been trying to make this happen since literally like the third week of this show. <laughs> Predator. If you go back and Three listen years. to our games, I'm pretty sure Predator has come up more than any other movie. It's on. Exciting times, dear listeners. So take a look at that. Take a look at Independence Day. Take a look at any film and have a great conversation thereafter because as we are hoping this show has demonstrated and continues to demonstrate to you all that movies are so much more than just some escapist entertainment. They're about what's going on in the world and help us reflect on what it means to be a better society and better human beings. But until we hear from you again, we will see you next time.
Bohannon has more on this story. Um, yeah, the screener is currently sitting in my inbox right now. So whenever we are, we are going to... Dalton and Dustin didn't get the email right away. Me and Alex are on the same page. Um, That's awesome. Brohannon contacted them and... Brohannon. They were... And then I contacted them. I'm like, hey, what do we need to get the screener? Can we find your film? And they're like, oh, we already sent it to Brohannon. I was like, oh, okay, cool. And so I texted her and she was like, it's in your email, stupid. So I checked my email, which was sent to all of us. And she had attached the forward from the producer of the film who said, hey, here's the password for Vimeo where you can watch the movie. Here are some production stills uh, from behind the scenes. And uh, just let us know about interviews and we'll see what we can set up. Yeah, I got an email back from you saying your message failed. And so I figured that we'd just tell you about it, whatever. I'm sorry. My life just got exponentially more awesome just now. Shit, I wish you had texted me. That's I've been you've been sitting on the news for like a week now. I didn't say anything because I just assumed you got the email. So nah, dog. Did you get, get the email? I get a lot of email. I don't get that many. I might have accidentally deleted it. That's well, no. You, anyway, not important. <laughs> not important. You guys don't care about my email difficulties. Uh, that's really exciting. Uh, we should watch that and uh, talk about it on the show. Um, maybe probably do a bonus episode. Uh, we've got marathons kind of booked out for the rest of the next three or four months. And I don't want to wait to watch this sick-ass screener. So we might just do a bonus episode. Yeah. Kind of a potpourri episode. Because, uh, fuck it, we can do whatever we want. DIY, punk rock, we're beholding no one. Um, thanks, loving the time of monsters. You guys kick ass, and hopefully we'll get to talk to somebody soon. I've seen the trailer. It's going to be fun. It's it's definitely in the vein of the Wolf Cup. It's You're going to laugh. Does it have a hip-hop theme song? I don't know, but I can only hope and pray that it does. God, I hope so. In the streets, half man, half wolf, pure breeze. Patrol the town looking for trouble, man. Stuffing dead bodies in my duffel bag. Slash your face, rip the head off your body. Slam a cold boom, pump your body with your shoddy. Drinking human blood in the sacrifice. Welcome to the senior, see you in the afterlife. Team wolf, just a man with a taste for blood. Watch the barrel stop smoking when you drink on mud. Till you met me, you know what trouble was. Till I filled your jean jacket with a couple slugs. I curse, with this curse, I'm a monster. Pissing on fire hydrants, foaming at the choppers. I hear he menace with a badge and a gun. Don't bother trying to hide, cause there's nowhere you can run from the wolf cop. Yeah, I'm the wolf cop. Don't try to hide from the wolf cop. Yeah, I'm the wolf cop. cop. Oh, damn. Mr. Wolfie got a plan. Forget Frankenstein more like the son of Sam. Soon as that full moon hits, there's no turning back. Everything turns to black. You can kiss my hairy ass. How you like it? I've got you now, don't bother trying to fight it. Welcome to my hell, you've all been invited. Once you've been bitten, there's no way you can hide it. Forget wizards and witches, I'll leave you with stitches. Just for a speedy ticket, I'm bitten with a sickness. There's no antidote, I'm alone on this highway. Drifting in the darkness, sparking a new crime wave. So go pray to the priest and drink your holy water. Grab your guns, lock the doors, hide your daughters. You think you got me surrounded? You better get your piece and bullet. And better have a silver bullet. Cause I'm the wolf cop. Yeah, I'm the wolf cop. Don't try to hide from the wolf cop. Yeah, I'm the wolf cop. 